podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Now look back at the third day's play from the Gabba and an uplifting day for England after that tremendous fight back by Joe Root and David Milan gives England just a little sniff of, well, maybe even victory. But uh, I think we're thinking too far ahead, Simon, aren't we? Well, I think we are, Yours. Only one team in the history of Test cricket has won after being 278 or more runs behind on first innings. So there's just a little bit of context for you. But a review of the day, a very quick review of the day. Australia all out for 425. They added 82 runs for their last three wickets, so they had a bit of fun. Travis Head, last man out, looking to increase the scoring rate, giving himself some room. Bowled by Wood for a magnificent 152. Start played his part as well with 35. So three for Wood overall, three for 85. And then when England started, Rory Burns given out LBW for naught, reviewed it, so he didn't get a pair. He reviewed it successfully. Ball was going over the top, but he was out for 13, gloving through off Cummins. Hamid, gloving down the leg side off start for 27. Played well, Hamid. Innings snuffed out at 61. Then an incredible partnership, magnificent partnership between uh, Milan and Root, worth 159. And they are still together at the close to give England some hope. How much hope? Well, remains to be seen. And that's why we play the game, to find out. And it's a, it's a tantalising prospect on the fourth day and possibly fifth day of the game. Yeah, fantastic. And well played, England. Milan's a, a, a very reassuring presence, isn't he, uh, coming into bat, actually. He's, he's a calm guy. I think uh, that's that's really helped England's cause. It defied our predictions slightly, didn't it? I mean, you know, if you look back at the, <laughs> what we thought would happen, we both went for kind of England seven down at the end of the day. You had 200 for seven. I had 240 for seven. We weren't far off with the runs, but we were way off with the wickets. Yeah, we were bang in the middle in terms of, of runs. We were actually sort of quite accurate. And I thought Australia would bat on and score some runs, which would limit the number of runs England would respond with. You went 240, I actually went 201. So I was fractionally closer, one run closer. So it's a sort of technical win for me. Uh, but I, can't, I don't think we can claim victory, really, because we both said seven down and it's only two down. So I think that's another another day, another draw, actually. So we're, sort of, we're level after t- two days of predictions. And later on, we'll, we'll predict what we think it's going to happen on the fourth day of the match. We'll give you our, our score prediction at the close of play and see if we can get any closer and see if one of us can actually nudge in front in this uh, first test match. Who is going to nudge in front in this first test match? Well, Australia clearly you know, strong favourites, aren't they? I mean, England's still 58 runs by. There's a new ball around the corner. That's only 10 overs away. And the, the new ball, so important in the morning, you feel. It's, it's, it is, it's isn't it, often in Australia, that, that Kookaburra ball. It, yeah. It's normally worth a wicket or two. Yeah, and, and that was the key, I think, for England today, was they only lost one wicket to the new ball, didn't they? They lost uh, Rory Burns, who got an absolute snorter from Pat Cummins, couldn't really do anything about it. But Hamid stood firm... And they didn't lose their second wicket until the 20th over. And I think that's the sort of key area. If you can survive those first 15 overs with only, say, one wicket, uh, that one wicket lost, that does give the 
the middle order, much more opportunity. Just before we go uh, on to the England innings, I mean, just a, a little reflection on that Australian performance and the star of the day, uh, well, the star of the, of the whole match, really, so far, Travis Head. And, uh, you know, we talk about predictions and expecting people to do well and so on. Maybe we should have uh, got a little hint of how Travis Head was going to go by an innings he played for South Australia against Queensland. It was a 50-over match in uh, sort of October time, and he got 230 of 127 balls with 28 fours and eight sixes, a strike rate of 181 in a 50-over game. I mean, remarkable performance, that. And... You know, that just sort of put down a marker for, I think, you know, how he was going to play. So we were all kind of saying, well, probably Usman Kawaja would get the number five spot. And, and Travis Head looks a bit of an iffy player, struggled for Sussex last year. And, wow, he's come over and come in and, and, and really <laughs> absolutely asserted himself massively and basically given Australia a, a fantastic chance of victory. Yeah, devastating innings from uh, Travis Head. He's also in good form in the Sheffield Shield as well. Mm. And we, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. You know, the fact that England underprepared, some of the Australians underprepared, the players have been playing in the T20 World Cup, you know, little red ball cricket. But Travis Head played five Shield matches and scored, you know, well over 300 runs. So, you know, he was in decent form, he averaging, averaging 49. So you can understand why they went with Travis Head ahead of Usman Khawaja for this Test match. And you're right, r lots and lots of runs. I mean, he's absolutely you know, run glut so far in this Australian summer. I say summer, I mean, the weather has been, uh, you know, generally speaking, pretty ordinary around the country, lots, lots of rain around. Um, but, you know, he, he's benefited. And today he, he sort of took that on and gave Australia that lead, 278. I mean, in, in a way, he didn't really have to give it away, but he was sort of playing a shot of ball uh, towards the end. You know, Australia really could have nailed England. And, and you know, Stark was caught out at deep mid-wicket. I mean, England did not look like taking a wicket in, in that sort of opening phase of the game. And it was, in a way, Stark tossed it away. And they could have really got, you know, gone massive. You don't, you know, and you wonder how significant that's going to be in the in the final analysis possibly not it probably won't be that's my that's my hunch but you know you never know you know when you're in a position in australia you just have to be a strong position you have to be as absolutely ruthless as possible you give the opposition nothing because you know the pitch can flatten out and this this brisbane pitch has flattened out we saw india chase 320 to win in the in the final innings of the, of the gabba test match in in january so you know there there is that sort of optimism for england the pitch did look relatively benign today Although, as you say, you know, Cummings bowled that, that snorter to Burns that took off. It was a strange shot he was trying to play. It was quite close to him, and he was looking to run it down to third, I think. And, and Cummings found the glove, and, and also Stark uh, found the glove against Hamid as well down the leg side. That was, you know, it's always a, a bit of a strangle. Uh, England did look a bit tired today. They looked a bit toothless. And Australia, you know, rather, so they rather frittered their wickets away, in a way. Although, you know, I mean, Lyon played a big shot as well against... Uh, Mark Wood short ball, but you know Wood was still running in. It was great to see him actually. Lots of energy, still running in, banged it in short and lying there, top edge one over the keeper, and then next ball he sort of spooned it up to Robinson on the onside, and then head sort of gave himself some room, a bit like the last over of a one-day match actually, and was bowled by a, a Yorker. So in, in a way, England benefited from Australia, you know, sort of over exuberance, but you know they still it was still party time in a way. 82 runs, the last three wickets is you know is fair enough, isn't it? I mean, that, and you know, you expect to win. You expect to win most cricket matches with time left and a lead of 278 on first innings. So a great credit to England, actually, that they managed to fight not only 
through the day, but you know, to start with through that really awkward session before lunch, Rory Burns getting, uh, as you say, a reprieve, re- reviewing that uh, LBW decision. One little thing I thought was impressive, actually, even before that, was the fact that uh, Hazib Hamid elected to take first ball. Uh, well, I don't know how the, the decision came, but uh, Rory Burns normally takes first ball. Obviously, being out first ball in the first innings, uh, you, you don't really want to face the first ball in the second innings, uh, maybe. And whoever decided on that, Hamid took first ball. And that, I think that just sort of... I, I, talking to uh, Kumar Sangakara once about batting, and he said, you know, if you can get off strike early on and just be at the non-striker's end or even come in at the beginning of an over so you're not facing initially and just get the atmosphere and get the the light and get the, the sort of sense of the pitch and the bowlers and so on. If you can have a few balls, a few sighters, it just helps settle the settle the nerves a little. And so I think that was a good thing that, that England did. And Burns, after surviving that first awkward delivery uh, and the one that you know was an LBW decision given, he reviewed it and given not out, he looked, at, he looked a bit better, but still... I don't know. You, you you just wonder with that method. You know, he's he's been out for six ducks this year. He is a bad starter, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. It was the third time in fifty-five test innings that he's not taken the first ball. So he normally does. And the other two occasions was when he had a night watchman at the other end. You know, when you go out to bat late in the day or whatever it is. And so he, you know, in that situation, of course, you st- you stand at the non-striker's end and, and let the the night watchman, you know, take you know face the music at the other end. So you know, it was a big departure for Burns. You, you know, he likes to take the first ball. And yeah, you know, was, there was a big build-up as well. You know, we we were excited. You know, it's one of those sort of dramatic moments in a in a Test match. You know, a, a player bowled first ball. The, you know, the ashes, what's going to happen in the second innings, the crowd were on it as well. And then suddenly you saw, oh, Hamid's going to take the first ball. But, you know, it, it only delayed the inevitable for a, a few balls. And eventually Burns, you know, did get on strike and he was able to tuck his first run in the ashes away on the onside. He did play a couple of pull shots as well. He hit one really sweet uh, boundary uh, through the leg side on the pull but then and, and had the review as well. Uh, it's very hard to get an LBW at the Gabba because of the bounce. So unless it's really full, almost like Yorker length, you think there's a good chance the ball is, mm. is going over the top. And, and, you know, they did talk about it. Uh, I mean, Burns, his initial reaction was, oh, no, you give me... And then he thought, hold on a second, this is the Gabba. There must be a chance it's going over the top. And it was reviewed and, you know, it, it was over turn but he didn't last you know significantly long time he was out in the in the ninth over Hamid was impressive you know he 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 really dug in he you know technically good you know he looked to be reasonably busy and played one or two nice shots he was actually starting to play really nicely he had a, a lovely sort of back cut for four and then you know I mean, you, you bowlers might say, oh, we bowl for those down the leg side, you know, little, little glove through to the keeper. But yeah, it, it's generally seen as a strangle, isn't it? Yeah. If you get out caught down the leg side, really. Yeah, it, it was unlucky. And, and he'd actually picked up a boundary, uh, glancing one for four a few minutes earlier. So that is one of his shots. Um, you know, people have said when Dom Sibley was out a few times, caught down the leg side or, you know, caught kind of flicking it to leg gully or whatever you know, that it's a weakness. I mean, maybe in Sibley's case it is. I don't think it is with Hamid. I think that is a legitimate shot. The bounce of uh, uh, the, the Gabba does cause those types of dismissals, though, because it can just brush the glove as you're looking to, to work it, you know, off your pad or off your hip. And you get that little bit of extra bounce and pace and it just brushes the glove. I do think it's a legitimate wicket, actually. I mean, it doesn't look as if the bowler's bowled for it, but... 
sometimes, I mean, it depends. If the batsman's gloves and bat are miles away from his body, then yes, it's lucky. But if it's a, a regulation ball on a bat leg stump with a bit of extra bounce and it does gla- glance off the glove, I think that is a legitimate dismissal, actually. Yeah, especially in somewhere like the Gabba or the Wanderers where there is that extra bounce. You, know, you feel you, you do bring both sides of the wicket into play. Anyway, the point is, Hamid was out 61 for two. And if you think about it, from the start of the game to that point... It's just been an upward trajectory for Australia, inexorably. You know, they've just dominated the game. They controlled the game throughout. It was 61 for two, and then came the fight back. Well, after England's excellent fight back on the third day, there's every incentive to stay up tonight and follow the action. Not easy to do, of course. Preparation is the key. And in this sense... A great solution is Mission Tees. Mission have created a new range of 100% natural performance tees to provide something we all need more of, sustainable energy. They've become a favourite with professional athletes, including some of the England team. Maybe Joe Root drank the Energised blend at the tea interval today. I've certainly noticed the difference in my energy levels after drinking some of that. Anyway, whether you're following the Ashes Down Under or not, we think you'll love what Mission offers, so we partnered with them to give you, the listeners, 20% off your next order. All you need to do is head to missionuk.com, discover the teas you need to fuel your day using Mission's handy quiz, whether you're looking for better energy, enhanced performance or boosted recovery, and enter the code CRICKET20, all one word, at checkout. That's CRICKET20 at missionuk.com. Come on, England! So let's have a look at uh, how England fought back. And I think Australia made an initial decision where data overtook common sense because Joe Root came in. They know that uh, Josh Hazelwood's taken his wicket eight times and that, in fact, Pat Cummins has taken it seven. But Mitchell Stark had just taken a wicket and he was bowling with a lot of heat and he was getting the, the ball to lift a little bit. But they took him off and put Hazelwood on. And I thought Hazelwood looked a little bit undercooked, actually, or a little bit tired. And Root was able to just get into his innings. How did you? How did you see it? Well, I mean, these days matchups is a big thing, isn't it? And you, you, you're absolutely right. It was eight, eight dismissals, Hazelwood, seven for Cummins, and they both came on to bowl. As soon as Root came in, and you know, is that is that captaincy sort of manual A? Uh, point number one, I don't know. I mean, but you know, Hazelwood got him out in the first innings. They've got all those memories of Hazelwood getting him out, and Cummins has done it as well. You know, you can you can you can see the logic. Root was on naught. You know, he was he was on a pair as well as Burns. It didn't work. Uh, Root played magnificently, and uh, you know, anyone who saw who's seen Root play this year again, whether it's against India or Sri Lanka, it was that sort of high class technical batting you know, he looked assured he didn't look in any trouble at all uh, you know got off the mark and then he hit a, a nice boundary through the onside and he was sort of away and there was a there was a, a sort of positivity to his batting that just must have lifted the confidence of Milan at the other end as well and must have lifted the the confidence of the of the dressing room so yeah I can understand why Cummins made that captaincy decision but yeah you're right I mean sometimes you take a bowler off who's just taken a wicket they might feel a little bit miffed but you, your point about Hazelwood is an interesting one because he only bowled yeah, eight overs yeah. 
So, you know, I, want, I wonder what the situation is, you know, with, with Josh Hazelwood, whether they're just holding him back. You know, they do have lots of options. Of course they do. They, even Labuschagne bowled a few overs. And actually, you could argue that Labuschagne got closest to a wicket because he bowled one to Milan. There was an appeal for LBW, and actually it was umpire's call, just flicking the top of leg stump. It was given not out, just shaving leg stump. But, of course, if it had been given out on the field, then he would have stayed out. So, you know, that was probably the closest... Australia got to a wicket. Although there was one other incident, uh, Yoz, a strange one. And the technology in this game is odd because we, we talked about the no balls ill in the match that, that weren't called by the, the technology and the standing umpire. You know, the onus was on him to, to call them and they didn't call Stokes' no balls. They eventually took a wicket off a no ball. Um, there was one where Milan edged, or well, that's what Australia thought. They appealed for an edge uh, when Milan... Uh, had 16 and those behind the wicket were absolutely convinced there was an edge and they reviewed it and but we don't have all the technology in this match there's a sort of problem with it it's, some of it is down so we just go with what we've got available in this game which is obviously the you know the DRS the predictions for the LBWs and just hotspot that's the only one we've got so we've got no snicko and you know I wonder whether snicko would have shown something different but there was nothing on hotspot um it was, it was an odd one as well because the first time you saw it, it seemed to go past the sort of outside edge of the bat. And then when they showed the hot spot from side on, they had the ball sort of going sort of underneath sort of by the toe of the bat. Anyway, I don't know, optical illusion, whatever. But there was nothing obvious. Uh, there were some few white marks around the bat, but you know, uh, the umpire said that was sort of flaring. Mm -hmm. So you know, the bat, the bat sort of tapping on the ground, you know, before you take take strike. And so if it was anything, it was it was just that from where he tapped it on the ground and it, it left a, a white mark. There wasn't you know, nothing, nothing there at all. So Australia lost their review, uh, but there isn't you know, but they knew there there isn't a great deal of technology. So you know, you do chance it when you try to overturn the umpire's decision in, in that case. But you know, it does feel weird that we've got the ashes and you know the, the ultimate of the game, and we don't have all the technology that we're used to. It's uh, it's another little. Um incident that's probably partly due to covid but also because they haven't been able to draft in you know new technology and and you know new people to to sort it out but so actually it's funny but australia is the one country which doesn't use hawkeye uh that which it, this is a a big up to hawkeye really who also pretty pretty much dominate drs systems around the world but in australia they use something called virtual spectator and whether that is the cause of this uh, malfunction I don't know but it, it, it could be and also hotspot is just not I, I've never thought hotspot was up to much really I thought it was always a bit flawed and the number of times you, you you play in a hot country and the heat off the off the surface off the land kind of corrupts the hotspot camera sensibilities and you don't get the right reading so I, I think hotspot's pretty but you can't rely on it very much, and um, this has been proved in this case, really. Yeah, well, the you know the the, the one that we've sort of become come to rely on is that sort of that snicker, whatever yeah. you want to call it, that snicker thing where you see the spike. And well, that isn't available in this game because they, I, I think the the issue is that they can't um, either bring more technology in to replace the technology that's sort of broken down, or they can't get the personnel in to fix it uh, because of the. You know, border restrictions. Queensland's only opening up uh, the, actually the day after the, the scheduled final day of the match. Uh, you know, it's opening its, its borders. It's been sort of closed down. You have to quarantine for 14 days. So that's the reason there's a problem with the, the technology. Uh, we just don't know whether it benefited M Milan or not. There didn't look to be any you know, evidence of a, of a nick. But Australia thought there was. Umpire said not out. So you know, you, you know, it was given not out on the field. 
So you know, you, you went with that, and you know that it, it sort that's sort of part of the game. I suppose that's how it always used to be, didn't it? The umpire said not out. It was not out. The umpire said it was out. It was out. And but, technology in this game has been a bit uh, suspect, hasn't it, with the no ball uh, system not working well, either? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all part of the same thing. That, and you know, and, and th- th- you could argue that that benefited Australia uh, earlier in the match with the with the Warner one. You know, it may be that Stokes, if he'd been called for no ball early in the over, he would have just had his foot behind the line for the Warner one. But then. You know, the whole point of a no, the whole point of keeping your foot behind the line is you're not quite as, you know, fractionally not quite as close to the the batter, isn't it? As well. Um, so whether you'd have bowled the same ball, same length, I don't know. You know, there were lots of variables, and there are also some very uh, fine margins in the game as well. So in England at the close, they did have a slightly dodgy last half an hour. Milan got a bit of cramp. Um, was swishing a bit outside the off stump. I think he was very relieved to get through to the close of play. You know, he said he was really tired. Two days in, you know, he said two days in the dirt, uh, you know, fielding hard work. It wasn't actually that it wasn't two days in the dirt really. Although he'd been on the field, I suppose for for close on two days because actually England were only in the field for 104.3 overs, which isn't that much in in Test cricket terms. But when you haven't played much cricket in the middle and it's hot. It feels like a long time, and of course there were a lot of runs scored by Australia. Four hundred and twenty-five. They scored at a good rate. So England got through to the close. So, so where is this Test match going then, Yours? I think it might be time to yes. to look at our, our predictions. There are two day. De- there are two days left. England are fifty-eight runs behind. They've got eight wickets in hand. The new ball is ten overs away. Uh, Joe Root is. Theory closing in on his first Test match hundred in Australia. He's eighty six and out. Milan is there on eighty. He's got. He's already got an Ashes hundred in Australia. What, what's your feeling about uh, where this game is going? Before you give me your predicting score for the close of play tomorrow. Well, there's there's still there something in that pitch, and in, in fact, there's probably more than there was yesterday. Anyway, uh, you know, there was plenty on the first day. Not so much yesterday. And then it's just starting to, to look a little bit uneven now, the odd ball doing something misbehaving. So that new ball for Australia is going to be absolutely key. When they take it, England have to make sure they don't lose a wicket in the first 10 overs or 11 overs of play so that Root and Milan are still in situ. And then they're in a much better position to, to weather that difficult sort of 15 overs with the second new ball. If England lose a, a wicket or two in that first 10 or 11 overs, then it's going to be a very different scenario. So that that kind of first 20 overs, the 10 overs before the second new ball and the 10 overs after it, I think will be the key to the rest of the match. If England can get through those 20 overs unscathed, then you can see them building up you know, a, a really substantial score, maybe getting to 400 and, and, and setting Australia 130, 140, 150 to win, which... You'd still expect them to get, but it will challenge them a bit. If they lose wickets in those in those first twenty overs, then I think it could end tomorrow. Okay, then uh, right. So, what's your? You got to go first tonight. Okay. I went first last night. What is your close of play on the fourth day? Uh, score prediction. What's it going to be? I'm going to say England three hundred and fifty-seven all out. Uh, so adding another hundred and forty or something. Uh, and Australia requiring 70 or 80 to win, get there for three down. So end of the match with Australia winning by seven wickets. So you're having Australia winning tomorrow by seven wickets. Okay, my closer play score tomorrow is Australia 30 for no wicket. That's all I'm required to do. I'm not going to tell you how many they're going to be chasing, but I think they're going to be around about 30 for no wicket at the close of play uh, tomorrow. So you reckon England are going to get over 400, basically? 
I think they might get a few. Yeah, I think they might get a few, but I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not that optimistic. They'll get enough. Um, I, I, you know, they they fought hard today, and you're you're right. I mean, so much depends on that bit before the new ball uh, on the fourth day, and then that sort of ten fifteen overs after the new ball. So you know, we'll see. I mean, it's it's really worth staying up tonight to to watch, listen, and, and follow the first session. It's Friday night. Uh, we're getting close to Christmas. It's, it's one of those... I mean, I hope it's not an anti-climax. You know, you get two wickets for the new ball and two wickets with the new ball, and suddenly it's, what, six down, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much game over. What you I think hope... What we hope, I think, is for a, a real contest in the on the fourth and possibly the, the fifth days of the match, you know. But, I mean, England have made it a contest today. I think at least they've they've sort of regained a bit of pride. I think, you know, there's a feeling out here, oh, you know, the, the, the palms have come over, you know, they're collapsing again, they're useless, you know. But, in, but Root and Milan changed it round from 61 for two. They sort of re- they, you remember we did those sort of um, who's winning predicting things in the in the summer. Mm. Yours and well, I think for that the game the line has just been going up and up and up and up and up for Australia. Well, England just sort of put a sort of wedge on that and made it sort of forced it to go down a little bit on this third day. So at least they can take something from that. Yeah, it's a just a morale boosting situation, yeah. isn't it? I mean, you just mm. you don't want to be completely rolled over in that first test. You want to show a bit of fight and work out a few methods of playing and dealing with these scenarios and, and showing that you're, you're made of a bit of substance. And that's what England have done today. Yeah. OK, so that's our roundup after three days of this first Ashes Test match. The game is still alive, and I think there were some who thought that that wouldn't be the case after three days. But it's going into a fourth day, and it's you know there's, there certainly is some intrigue left in this game. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another roundup. We'll find out how close our predictions are to being uh, correct. <laughs> We've been a little bit off the mark uh, so far, um, but we'll find out on that final day. Hope you've enjoyed our roundup. Uh, we'll be back with more uh, tomorrow. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.